Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our God is a healing God. He still does miracles. He still brings about restoration. But we need to be careful because how sometimes we think restoration looks, God sees it differently. Sometimes his power is not given for a healing in the common sense of what healing is, but he gives a power that causes that one to overcome whatever their ailment might be, whether it might be some disease or sickness or maybe some disability. We see that God has used people greatly who have some handicap, some ailment they overcome, and we see the power of God to give these people peace and joy and contentment despite what they're going through. But make no mistake about it, God still heals. But let's be very honest. Healing tends to be rare today. Does that mean that God is different? It does not. Think about what we read a few weeks ago. We talked about the fact that there were many widows in Israel during the time of Elijah. But we learned the one who was blessed by God, that God provided for miraculously, was one who was in Lebanon by Sidon. And then secondly, he says as well, during the days of Elisha, that is Elisha, there were many lepers in Israel. But the one who was cleansed from his leprosy was a Syrian who was in that location. So what do we find? In that time period, healings, restorations were, were rare. But, but God was the same God because God never changes. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to Luke's Gospel and chapter 4. Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, we're going to begin in a moment in verse 38. And what are we going to see? A transition, a change. Now, last week, Messiah did a great miracle of healing. He cast out a demon. And he did this where? In the synagogue. But we're going to see as we begin our study a change. He's going to leave that synagogue. We find out earlier that he went about on Shabbat teaching in the synagogues. But now we're going to see something different. And why? He wants to give us additional information more truth a greater revelation verse 38 but standing up what did he do he stood up 
and here's the key out of the synagogue he left the synagogue now we know where he was he was in kafar nahum or capernaum there was and is to this day a synagogue in that place very near where people lived so all of this is historically accurate and it says that he stood up out of the synagogue and he entered into the house of shimon shimon we might say in english simon and obviously we're talking about simon peter he was from this location and therefore after the synagogue concluded they went out of the synagogue and entered into the home of simon and notice what it says the mother-in-law this would be his mother-in-law the mother-in-law of shimon was oppressed with a great fever that means a high fever now a fever makes one feel very poorly especially if it's a high fever and secondly it's usually a a symptom of of a problem perhaps an infection something else that's going on in the body seldom do we just have fevers for the sake of fevers we have fevers because our body is fighting some disease inflection something along those lines and what else do we see well we read at the end of verse 38 and they were asking him that is the disciples were asking him concerning her meaning that he might help her that he would respond to her and then verse 39 and he stood and this word epi means he stood at or upon now what that means is this she was there and his presence he came to her and he stepped where she was he stood over her in fact it says if we're very very careful in our reading it says and he stood at and then over her and what happens and he rebuked the fever and it left her immediately and what did she do it says that she waited that is a word for ministry she served in other words then she got up to serve now this teaches us a very important biblical truth now no one likes to be sick no one wants a disease no one wants some problem this physical or even a spiritual problem in their life it handicaps them and therefore what does this tell us it tells us the reason why we should ask for healing not simply because god i'm in discomfort i don't feel good i don't like having this it is a a bothersome thing to me no why should we pray for healing why should we want that restoration the bible tells us she got up and served them waited on them and what this teaches us is that we should want healing restoration god to work in our life so that we can serve wait on minister to 
other individuals. When we come before him in that way, God is going to move here again. Maybe not the way that we think or expect, but God will move. Look now to verse verse 40. We see here that the the sun was, was going down. It was towards the end of the day. And why is that important? Well, it's important because not only do we pray in the morning and in the afternoon, but also at the end of the day. This is time for what's called the Aravit, or the Mariv prayer. Two different words for the same prayer service, and both of these words come from the same root, which means evening. So evening is coming, and they're praying. So we see how the message is God works through prayer. Verse 40, but the sun was was going down all as many having sick ones or diseased ones. So those who knew of him, what did they do? Those who knew of those who were sick, had some ailments, some problem of various types of sicknesses or diseases, what did they do? They brought them to him. And the emphasis is to him. Now, this shows something. In the first example in our study today, Messiah went to her. He came and stood at where she was, and he was over or upon her. What is this saying to the reader? There was that closeness. His presence came to her presence. But here we're seeing something different. We're seeing that those who were sick of various diseases, they were brought to him. Now, what's the takeaway for us? We need to be with him. Whether he comes to us or we go to him, the important thing is his presence. And the way that we go to him or the way that we experience him coming to us is through prayer and for us agreeing with the purposes of God. When we are in agreement with God, the presence of God, the power of God, the anointing of God will be upon us. And it says, but each one of them, what did he do? The hands he placed, meaning he placed upon, there's that same word, that epitithemy. Tithemy is to set. And then we see epi is upon. The hands he set upon and he healed them. Now, he healed sometimes with just speaking. He didn't have to lay hands on. Why did he? This is a way of the biblical text emphasizing, reiterating for us this intimacy, being in the presence of God, having God as the focus of our life if he's not there with us then nothing good is going to happen in any sense of that term good so he set the hands upon them and the scripture says and went out also demons from many now did this mean that for some demons didn't go out of yes why 
They didn't have a demon. What this is telling us is that people can have a variety of diseases, but not all of them are because of demonic influence. What's another reason that you can have, have sickness and disease? Sin. Not because you're sinning and that's some punishment. Sometimes that may be. But, but I think far more often is this. Someone becomes sick. They get the flu or cold or some disease. Why? Because we're living in a sin-affected world. When that first sin was committed in the Garden of Eden, what happened? That sin unleashed sickness and disease. Also, demons and unclean spirits. And all of these things are going to work in an adverse way against humanity because satan hates humanity but the scripture says for god so loved the world what happened messiah came we have the possibility now to be in the presence with him verse verse 41 again and went out also demons from many and notice what they were doing they cried out also they were saying that you are the messiah the son of god now the demons are saying this but they're right he is messiah and he is the son of god and that term son of god is very important because son of god speaks to his divinity i taught not too long ago a special message on the virgin birth the virgin birth as well points to the divinity of Messiah. Also, we know that the term son of God points to his divinity. You say, where's that taught in the Bible? Well, the high priest, he was questioning Messiah. I'm talking about Caiaphas. And Messiah pointed to the fact that he is the son of God. And what did he say? Blasphemy. So he understood that the term son of God has to do with divinity that's why they charged him incorrectly with blasphemy because he is the son of god he is divine and that's why we believe in the trinity just because i may have this on my head doesn't mean i don't believe in the divinity of messiah see what influences me is not my culture or background or traditions what really is the foundation of what I believe and hopefully I share to you is what is written in this book. Now, does anyone do it perfectly? Well, Messiah did, but, but we all fall short. But my desire is to accurately rely upon the Holy Spirit and accurately share what is said there. And this is why I like to tie always my words directly to the text. We read in this verse of scripture that coming out also demons from many, they were crying out and saying that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. That term, Son of God, divinity of Messiah. What did he do? Not because it was untrue. He did it for another reason, and we'll see that. And he rebuked them because not these things 
they were given to speak meaning this it wasn't appointed for them to say these things and there's another reason in the gospels we see something there is something that the theologians call the messianic secret what is that here's a good example he is the messiah he is the son of god we want to proclaim that message but oftentimes in the gospels someone would come to that conclusion know this and messiah would say shh don't share that don't say anyone to anyone this why not because he was denying it or it was false but because the people had a false understanding at that time they only thought of the concept of messiah as this one who was going to give them physical freedom to bring them victory over their enemies their physical enemies like rome when messiah came the first time it was not for that purpose when he comes the second time he's going to deliver israel from her enemies he is going to establish the kingdom but he didn't come the first time to establish the kingdom he came that we might have redemption that that ransom for our sins that provision that payment meaning the blood of messiah that we might find forgiveness and through that forgiveness and the giving of the holy spirit we could experience regeneration and become that new creation but but all of these things were foreign to the people so it was not the right time to say that that is why he rebuked rebuked them because it was not given these things for them to speak why notice what it says because they did not know messiah that that he was now they did not know what does that mean well whenever we find this tense i'm speaking about the pluperfect in the greek the pluperfect not in other languages not in english but in greek the pluperfect speaks of something which is remote or far away see they really didn't know what all of this entailed they didn't know what messiah was going to do that he came for the purpose of laying down his life they weren't expecting that so this is why he rebuked these demons from speaking that because it wasn't the right time to announce his identity he wanted to do a lot more miracles and a lot more teaching to prepare the people for why he came the first time well look if you would to verse 42. now back in verse 40 the sun was going down it was the time of prayer and now we see in verse 42 a new day is beginning for it says but arriving the day what did he do he went out and he went into and we have to be very careful the word here is a word which relates to a desert or a wilderness we know this word in hebrew midbar now this is a theologically important word why 
Whenever the term wilderness or desert, depending upon how your Bible translates it, whenever this word appears in the text, it causes the reader to understand that that dependence and trust and reliance is is what's being referred to. Whenever the term wilderness or desert appears in the Bible, it's to convey to the reader a concept of dependence upon God, trusting God, believing upon God, relying upon God. All of that needs to be brought to that passage. But what do many translators do? They they change the word from a desert or wilderness, they say, to a deserted place or to a secluded place or to a place of solitary. This is not what the word is saying. It brings to this passage, beginning with verse 42, a, a, a concept of dependence, trust, reliance upon God. So once more. And day coming about, he went out and he came into a desert place. Not deserted, but a desert place. And the crowd was seeking him. And they came unto him and they they hailed him down from not going away from them now what was he doing he was going to a deserted place why well more often that to pray and what happened they came he went to demonstrate dependence and trust and reliance upon God. At that very time, a crowd came. This crowd came, and notice, they they came unto him, and they were restraining him is the, the message, for not to depart from them. But he said to them, he's going to rely upon God and do the will of God. That's what depends upon God brings about, a person doing the will of God. But he said to them that also other cities, it is necessary for me, and this means absolutely necessary. So whenever this small three-letter word, Greek word, appears, it always speaks about something that is absolutely necessary if God's will is going to be carried out. So listen to what he says. Because it is necessary for me to evangelize these other cities, evangelize. What does he unite evangelization with? You have it, the kingdom of God. And that's why always we should emphasize the kingdom of God. It is inherently related to the gospel. I was teaching not too long ago in another location, and there we see that that this, this gospel always points to the Lord, Messiah, Yeshua, that is, Jesus Christ. There is no gospel unless it points to Messiah, as the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, who is going to rule, who has laid down his life, but 
he took it up. The Father raised him, and he's coming again to set things in order. Finally, look at the end of verse 43, because he says, for this meaning, this purpose, I was sent in order to evangelize, reveal the good news of how one can be part of the kingdom of God. Last verse, verse 44. And he is proclaiming in the synagogues. And here's what it gets interesting. Now, if you're using a, a Bible that is based upon the Nestle Allen Greek text, it will say that, that he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. But what we find is this. When Judea is mentioned, we're speaking about Yehuda, that area of Judah. Usually when Judah is mentioned, he's in that area. He's going to Jerusalem for the temple. No, when synagogues, more often than not, when synagogues are mentioned, what location? Galilee. And if you look at the Texas Receptus, and you can see this, if you look, for example, at the King James or the New King James, it says here, and he was proclaiming in the synagogues of Galilee. Now, why was he doing that? In that location, Galilee speaks of revelation, revealing something. And this is what this passage is about. That he has authority. Authority over demons and unclean spirits and all diseases. And he is going to be the one that puts everything in order. He is going to bring about a great restoration. And that great restoration is inherently related to what? The kingdom of God. And this is what he's sharing. He's doing these miracles of healing to say, I can get you ready for the kingdom of God. I can put you in the proper condition so that you will be ready for the eternity, for the kingdom of God. He's got good news for the kingdom of God. So let me ask you, have you received that good news? It's not good news in the sense of a multiplication of many things that are good news, but just one thing. It focuses upon what? The gospel, and it focuses upon the Lord, Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ. The one who laid down his life in order to give us abundant life. That he paid the debt for your sin and my sin so that we could receive mercy, that we could receive grace, that we could be forgiven. And through this forgiveness, we become a new creation. The Holy Spirit comes upon us and changes us so that we can become, and here's the good news, that we can become servants with God, that we can participate in the things that God is doing. This is the restoration, being able to serve and to participate in the purposes of God. Truly good news. Well, I'll close with that. Until next time, Shalom from Israel.
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.